Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you from the same location we talked to you from last month. Because we're still in our resort campground on the western end of Tucson. One of the nicer resort campgrounds in the United States, I think. This is the longest we've ever stayed anywhere except our home. I'm not particularly anxious to leave. Well, but I'm kind of ready to get things underway. Uh, As March 1st comes up, and you're probably listening to this after March 1st, that means that we are already on the road. (laughs) We we always say, well, we're going to stay January and February someplace because we know that the weather is going to be bad. And we just cannot travel, it's been our experience, in most of the United States during... January and February because you just can't depend on the weather. Well, this year, the weather here in Tucson has been absolutely fabulous Perfect. For, for January and February. And then, as we look at the forecast for March 1st, which is obviously just a couple days away for us now. They're talking about rain. We haven't had rain We haven't had two, two drops of rain. We don't wash the car except to get the <laughs> dust off. And what happens? Right now, it's going to be rain and windy, and they're talking about an inch of rain for Tucson. But most of you have been probably watching the forecast for the California and the Southwest and talking about drought. And Yeah, and this area needs rain. You and I don't need rain, know, but they but, do. I know, but boy, has it been nice for these two months that we've been here. We wanted to kind of talk about uh, the difference between staying in a campground for a short period of time and when you stay for a period of two months. And I've noticed quite a difference. Well, certainly you connect a lot more with people, and it gives you a chance in a campground like this that has a lot of activities to try them all out, see which ones you like, go repeatedly to the ones that you do like, and meet people at those. Yes, and I think that's a, a big difference. If you are a people person and you're interested in in joining the activities, I think a minimum of two months. Most of the people here stay four months, would be my guess, at least three. They are very friendly to you when they realize that you're staying a decent amount of time, and I think probably they'd say, well, why should I bother to make friends with them if they're going to to leave after a month or so? So that's been a big difference for us, and I think, you know, even now, after two months, we're just beginning to make some some friends here that we could call long-term friends, and now we're leaving. (laughs) So... We will have to rely on our listeners to to be our friends. To be our friends. And we should but say... That is, but if you are tra- planning on traveling and staying someplace, that is a definite consideration. And we should say that some of our listeners have stopped by to visit us here in the campground. Oh, so we thank boy, Dale we... and Connie for stopping by. It's Great unbelievable, to see you. isn't it? <laughs> All of a sudden, there's somebody in our campground. This happened to us last year at Lazy Days, yeah, remember? Right. Uh, this, uh, we really appreciate every, when you are in our neighborhood to, to stop contact. over and say goodbye. So not say goodbye, but say hello. We are. Uh, we try to be friendly, but you know, I think people just don't, you know, don't bother making friends with people that are only going to be here a month, and that's obvious. And people have asked us, "Well, are you coming back next year?" We say, eh. so I think that kind of that kind of puts them off too, because so many of the people here consider this to be home 
at least are home away from home, and they are repeat uh, visitors, and they uh, expect other people to be that way too. And while you would expect that a lot of people who spend lots of time here come from the Pacific Coast, Washington State yes. in particular, we've met a lot of people who come from as far east as we've come, or even farther east. So we kind of feel like we're in a microcosm of the United States here, which is kind of fun, and Canada. Yeah, and I think uh, Tucson overall has been a very enjoyable experience for us. I so, think having a city of about a million is a nice yeah. <laughs> a nice sort of uh, balance because we don't certainly have the traffic that we have in Chicago, but we have the big city feel. We've actually gone to the theater here, mm-hmm. and we love the loft. And uh, one of the it's things... An the art lo- house movie an theater. An art house movie theater. We got to see the uh, Academy Award shorts, for instance, uh, which you don't get to see in most places, and certainly not in Harlingen or McAllen, Texas. And maybe Sarasota, but uh, not many places do you get to enjoy some of the finer things of the artistic life. And because this is a university town, there are always those kinds of activities going on here as well. So it gives me peace of mind that if there is a rainy day, that there's something else (laughs) good to do. But because there was no rain, we didn't do as many of those things as we could have. We brought along uh, quite a few rainy day activities and just haven't got around to doing them because every day has been 75 and sunny. I've been playing a lot of pickleball, which is kind of a fun sport if you're interested in, jo- in doing something that is fairly friendly for uh, senior citizens because it doesn't require a lot of of quick motion, but it, it, it is an activity and it provides you with some ex- exercise. So pickleball takes place on a small tennis court and the <laughs> ball is a wiffle ball and the paddle is a large ping pong paddle. Yes. And it's scored, it yeah, it's scored similar to table tennis, um, but so it has you, its own unique score. So you need good reflexes, but not a lot of strength, and, and you have to react quickly. And everybody plays doubles. Yeah. And people who have a hard time running can play this. Right. It's and it's not a, you don't need to have a powerful backhand, and it's not really strength that wins. It's more strategy. Precision. And, because with a wiffle ball, no matter how hard you hit it, you can't hit it hard enough to hurt anybody. But hitting it precisely back where you want it to go. Is yes. And for me, as a tennis player, it's kind of been hard to get used to having <laughs> such a short racket. <laughs> so I continuously miss the ball because the racket is uh, much shorter than a tennis racket. I haven't played tennis here. Because they're redoing the court and they didn't get it done. Bummer. Yeah, I enjoy tennis a little bit more, but they decided that they were going to redo the tennis courts in the middle of the biggest season. season. And that's another topic that I wanted to talk about. Uh, We always hear about February as being the big month that uh, everybody, every campground is full. And. Came pretty close. Came pretty close, yeah. Especially during the Gem and Mineral show, which is a big deal here in Tucson. But. Uh, you know, I think that's kind of. I'm. Not, I think it's overhyped that campgrounds are absolutely full during that season. They like to make you think so, so that you will make reservations to stay. I think. Although, we did get a knock on our door. Yeah, when we first <laughs> made the reservation here, we said we want to stay for six weeks, and uh, the lady I think who we said that checked us month, in yeah. talked us into two months because it was she, about the same price. She didn't change the departure date on our record, apparently. <laughs> so at 10 p.m. one night. Um, After the office was closed, this couple was knocking on our door asking why we were in their campsite. We helped them to park across the street where there just happened to be a spare site, but um, that made us feel that it was crowded. But they found a place for them to go in the morning. Yeah, they, they, you know, we were supposed to leave and they were going to come into our site, but uh, we find that the campground always has spaces. 
And maybe it's a it's a matter of this, this site ha- this campground has pet versus non pet sections and the- and strangely enough when I rode my bike around today the non pet area was more crowded and certainly now that february is coming to a close and march 1st is coming up the campground is much more open yeah things so are loosening up you again. can easily find a camp spot uh, here anyway at this time of year and it's i suppose if you came here last minute and wanted to stay for a month they might not have a site available that was free for the entire month and they might have to move you around Hmm, yeah, that, that's a that possibility, yeah. That so maybe that was what they were referring to. They do have lots of activities here, and we have enjoyed, as we said, the pickleball, and I would have enjoyed the tennis, and we've enjoyed the entertainment. They have uh, a theater, a auditorium and that uh, is multipurpose, and they have uh, touring entertainment that comes in, which is nice. We've also really enjoyed the bike group, which every Monday yes. takes us between 10 and 15, 16 miles on a bike ride, generally on Between one 10 of and the, 25, let's say. On one of the many paved bike trails in Tucson. Tucson is a very bike-friendly town. Well, um, many people who look like greyhounds and colorful spandex come here to do mountain biking. We are biking. in the flight path of the airport. Yes, we are. <laughs> or they uh, practice riding up Mount Lemon in preparation for um, maybe the Tour de France or something. something. They look like serious bike riders. But there are a lot With of bike... uniforms and stuff. There are a lot of bike trails for people like us who just want to poke around and and enjoy the scenery and they are kind of odd to my midwestern <laughs> eyes because they are on the banks of rivers <laughs> with bridges and overpasses that you would have on a river but there's no water anywhere this strange is a very thing. strange thing here about tucson we they talk about the monsoon season and i'm sure there must be water but there are, I, I think we mentioned this before but there are all of these rivers and and viaducts and places where water goes but at this time of year there's just no water we it's take it totally out. dry which is very different than the bike paths that we're used to in the chicago area because most of them are overgrown um, with trees and shady and stuff in here these must be just unbearable in the summertime even though they're dedicated bike paths they still are wide open and uh, it's very sunny but now it really feels good so we put our bikes on the back of uh, our car and uh, or somebody brings a couple of uh, pickup trucks and we put uh, 12 bikes in a couple of pickup trucks and we go off to some nice area this is something we didn't we weren't able to do last year we wanted to bike but we just didn't know where to go sometimes you'll see a trail but you won't yeah. know where to park and you don't know how long it is and you don't know you're right there are a number of, of issues, and it's fun to go with people. So the bike leaders here uh, organize a different trail every every time, and some of them we have actually biked from the park, and other times we put the bikes uh, and vehicles and take off and do a nice little bike ride that uh, might even include lunch. We also uh, have been over visiting some of the RV dealers and they are anxious to sell us things, and they have been having their super sale days where they have <laughs> given us free lunch. Did we buy anything? No. Well, you were sorely tempted. We we're at that point um, with a tough a 2004 um, rig where we start to see ourselves having more and more repairs or breakdowns, um, and we're starting to question whether we should keep putting money into this rig, which we love very much, or whether it's time to buy a new one. And one of well, the RV dealers had a fairly cherry, um, slightly used one. Mountaineer. That, that was tempting Ken greatly. 45 but, feet. But we need to monetize the podcast before... <laughs> 
So, can, dear listeners, we can buy that one. So. monetize the podcast to the tune of two or three hundred thousand exactly. dollars in the next couple months. <laughs> Keep those but dollar bills going. What, what are the chances of that? <laughs> Right. That's why we're going to keep going well, back to and, Spartan and, and repairing this and, and, you know, this is another issue that uh, as I approach 70, that am I going to be able to continue to drive it for that many more years? You know, I, I, it's very interesting to talk and listen and, and watch people uh, and, and their life cycle and, and how long can you continue to drive a motorhome. And certainly in this resort, we've met many people who have passed that point and have bought <laughs> right. a park model within the park to maintain the camaraderie of the RV campground lifestyle without having to deal with the issues that And we they have fly to deal back with. and forth or they drive their car. And no. I, it's really tough to make that decision. I, I would not hesitate to buy a new RV if I knew I was going to drive it for another 10 years. But I don't know if I'll be driving in 10 yeah, years on an RV. You can't say. Or whether I'll be alive. Who knows? You can't say. It's really tough. Uh, and I'm sure that many of you are facing this decision also. And it's one thing that you that pops up in your mind. What, what are you going to do in the future? Because you do have a limited lifespan, just like the Diamond Shield. Mm. <laughs> there are many days in February where people would be walking past me um, on their way to the pool riding their bikes and what was i doing us us i was out there with the heat gun and my plastic or i was out there with the hairdryer working on removing the diamond shield from the front of our coach but we did it i would guesstimate 35 to 40 hours yeah well and we didn't do the very bottom yeah. Well, we did. Well, fun. we did three quarters. Yeah. The good thing is, is that uh, we were able to get the diamond shield off, but it was a, two, re- a really a two-step process without removing any paint. With removing very little paint, the paint underneath was in good shape. It was, as I say, a two-step process, meaning that you first have to heat the diamond shield plastic and peel it off, trying to bring as much of the adhesive off with it as you can, leaving the least amount of residue. But there's always going to be some glue residue, as we found out. So after we got all the plastic off, it still didn't look very good at all. Because there were all these adhesive blobs. Yeah, well, it was over. just had the same sort of blobs, but they were this time sticky adhesive, which if we'd driven it all would have probably really looked bad after a short period of time. And then we had to go over it with xylene. And the xylene, which is a powerful solvent, but I was very impressed with the fact that it did not melt the plastic scrapers that we were using. <laughs> Didn't melt our hands. Some dripped on a reflector where you didn't put the adhesive tape all the way and it it melted a little bit. But it did melt the the adhesive very well. I mean, it really takes the adhesive off in a hurry and just dissolves it. But it doesn't touch the paint. Mm -hmm. And as far as I can tell, even the clear coat is still on the paint. So, bottom line is is that we've spent uh, a lot of labor in taking off the diamond shield. But it really looks pretty good right now. And I have waxed it up, and the paint underneath looks nice and shiny and virtually new. And I re <laughs> did the headlights so that they are nice and clear and shiny and, and new looking, also. And right, and 
nice and not yellowed. So the front end looks pretty good, and people have come by and said, well, there were a lot of people because we were kind of on a walking route. We're near the garbage dump. It's a very popular No, route. but we're on the circular route yeah, around the, the whole perimeter. On the perimeter of the yeah. campground. So a lot of people walking by, and they would see stop by and see over and over again. What, say, we what were, are you doing? What are you doing? And so we've done that explanation a thousand times, but when they come by now, they say, hey, it looks really great. looks good. So we're pretty happy with uh, so fingers the crossed results after of it. some driving it will continue to look great and we won't take a lot of rocks and <laughs> regret that we yeah, made this, this is, decision. Yeah. We really don't know. I don't know. You know, I, whether you, Diamond Shield is really worth it. Uh, it's really a tough call. We'll, we'll let you we'll know. See. Yeah, we'll see. So if you have any comments about this, let us know. We also, this month, uh, have been working on other general maintenance things and including the fun of replacing the batteries. Batteries were six years old, so it's time to replace them with four golf cart batteries. That's the house batteries. And uh, I am a firm believer in buying either at Sam's or at Costco. Believe it or not, Walmart doesn't sell 6-volt batteries, or at least they don't around here. And so I did a fair amount of research, and I found out that they actually sell two, but you can't really tell the difference between them. The only way to tell is by weighing them. (laughs) So there we are in the Costco with our bathroom scale. <laughs> bathroom scale. The People person at the door is saying, Are you returning that? No. no. <laughs> the way the battery. So I found out that there, the 6-volt batteries have exactly the same physical specifications, but one weighs 63 pounds and the other weighs 67 pounds, and one has 40 amps more juice in it. Unfortunately, I was not able to find the 67-pound battery. After taking my scale to both places and inquiring and checking around, both of them only had the 63.7 pound battery which as you were moving them seemed heavy enough (laughs) which was yeah but more lead means more capacity Mm -hmm. so we're stuck with the same 63 that we had before which have served as well but 40 more amps would be 40 more amps so you know that's uh more time that you can spend boondocking 85 bucks a piece they've gone up dramatically i think uh, over 20 dollars since the last time i bought them a piece so that's uh, once again another Another investment You know, off the checklist. Yep, and we've waxed it, and we have cleaned it, and we have gotten it ready. One of the things that we have that a lot of people don't understand is, is that because we can only leave the motorhome in front of our house in our Illinois oh, village in our for 24 hours, we really can't do much maintenance there at all because it takes me a couple of days to wax it and to, to, to get all the, the cleaning. And, and we've stayed in campgrounds that strictly forbid this sort of activity, so we very much appreciate it no. that... That nobody gave us a hard time about it. We tried to be neat. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, it's washing it that's the problem. And and doing heavy-duty maintenance, mm-hmm. but waxing it but and stuff. But even the day you did the batteries, that lady in Flagstaff would have reamed you out Yeah, maybe. Big but that was But that was a short-term campground. Yeah. And we have done a cool couple of new cool installations, too. Your flashing lights? <laughs> well... We bought a very special I feel like I'm souvenir, living in a disco. Souvenir All in, we need is the sparkly in, ball on our ceiling. Ooh, that's next. We bought a very cool souvenir in India, though. It's a flashing Greek, well, uh, Indian god. It's our... We noticed that a lot of the public vehicles in India had an LED-lit Buddha. No, it's what not is Buddha. It? What is it? 
It's one of their gods. Okay, one of their gods. And it was to provide good luck. And I think we maybe mentioned that for the, the drivers. There's a lot of good luck superstition with the many gods in the Indian religions. And you always have to have some sort of god on your on your side as you drive. And we've kind of collected those. So we have a, a eye of Allah from Istanbul <laughs> and a Buddha in fuzzy from dice. Thailand and um, this Indian god now. And now I have so a, we, an electric god. So we need something from Christianity and Judaism. Well, we were looking for the St. Christopher. Yeah, yeah, I never see them anymore. We can't see them. We would hang that. We don't go to the right places like So that. if you see us coming down the road and we're blinking out the front... <laughs> That's our God, <laughs> warning you that we're on our way. Bestowing blessings. And at the same time, I bought some more colored hit lights. Uh-huh. You remember the hit lights are the 12-volt LED inexpensive strips of lights. And I put some as under lights on our vehicle here so that they are effects lights. And they change, change colors color and, and blink. It's way cool. <laughs> way cool. You, don't want to you guys are going to be really jealous when you see us coming us down the road. <laughs> Everybody's going to ask to transfer to another site a little farther away. A little blinking. So, how long will the new batteries last? That's right. You're going to give them a, the a workout. We also uh, did the world-renowned gem show. This was quite a puzzlement to me because I don't really have a big interest in gems no. and minerals. But there's a huge exhibition retail wholesale show that's that huge world size in tucson every winter the and largest in the it United takes States. place in between 40 and 50 locations all around town some you can't go to unless you are a wholesaler but most of them were available to us and people were bringing rocks and minerals from literally around the world it's unbelievable barrels and barrels of huge I mean, gems four thousand vendors i mean just the number of vendors is incredible, and the number of rocks that those vendors bring is even more incredible. And occasionally we would come upon somebody who sold the tools for working those rocks, either when they were in the ton size or <laughs> when you were trying to make one of them into a piece of fine jewelry. There was one exhibition in the convention center that had what I would call the Elizabeth Taylor kind of jewelry, but for the most part uh, they were fairly raw and wide open. And Lots of stuff where people come to buy the raw materials to make their own jewelry and lots of fossils and, and skeletons from the, dinosaurs the stuff was all sold the hotels along the expressway like what would be a holiday in or a days in they these shows would put up these huge tents in their parking lots all the rooms would be showrooms and, <laughs> and you could just walk through them and and every type of gem and of course we know nothing about this but uh it was very interesting to see the huge selection and the quantity i mean everything from something that was a dollar to hundreds of thousands of dollars we went to a total of four locations didn't do a good job of visiting (laughs) any of them because they were so vast didn't ask any questions because we didn't know what we were asking there was relatively little repetition among the four locations of how many gems and minerals there are well and then and then beads yeah i mean this is the gem and bead show and they had beads made out of every conceivable product from plastic to stones to gems and I mean beads by the by the bushel and you <laughs> was, could buy stuff that was but not the kind of beads you find at, at Mardi Gras no no you could find These stuff were, that was three for a dollar and you could find stuff that was four thousand dollars it just depended 
Right. And, oh, and, and, and many of the beads were to be restrung and make, yeah. it, make it into your own. Yeah. And then they had all the little uh, accessory pieces to go onto necklaces and things that you would string. The strain. findings. That's what uh, that's called. called. the findings? Yes. Oh, really? And then we saw some areas where people had taken large chunks of wood and embedded them with minerals and oh, yeah. made beautiful pieces of furniture, dining room tables and coffee tables. And yeah. doors. It was very, very and impressive. And light fixtures yeah. made out of translucent minerals. Yeah. Wow. Very impressive, even to me, who has no interest and really no knowledge about this. So the bottom line is, if you are the least bit interested in doing lapidary, or if you're interested in jewelry making... Or even if you're not interested, well, but you should go see it once. Well, but you should come here in the middle two weeks of February and go to this show, because you'll find your raw materials here yeah. and are very, I thought, very reasonable prices overall. And they have things that are already made, finished products, as well as raw materials, and, and in abundance of every kind. And, and it's amazing to see the huge variety of different kinds of stones there are in this world. And how they look. And from the yeah. different the places in the country. There were some that looked like landscapes with little veins of dark in them. I mean, that looked like it, trees and bushes and flowers, but there was, was veins in the rock. Yeah, it was, it was very impressive. And, of course, the RV Navigator had to buy something. Yeah, I bought a few cheap necklaces. <laughs> and how did you get them? Well, in one case, there was I was standing around just looking at this <laughs> necklace, and the guy said, I'll give it to you for $5 less. <laughs> oh, he was from Nepal. I like Nepal, so I bought it from him. I think I spent $20. And you bought, but you bought a bunch of necklaces. And why did you buy them? Because I had never seen them anywhere exactly. else. Because they came from and years. And you bought finished ones. Yes. But you were also taking wire making classes here. Here, yeah. But they didn't sell much wire. Well, tell us about the wire making classes. What fabulous things have you made? I'm not making wire. I'm taking <laughs> wire. What's it, what, what's and this Shaping called? it into links of chain, so that I can make what might be like chain mail. Only it's necklaces. Maybe we could sell bracelets. one for two hundred thousand dollars. I don't. Think <laughs> Finally made by the co-pilot. To me, it, I would I would like to, to learn how to quilt. Um, I've always liked you do. to sew. Uh, but quilting when you're living in a motorhome seems to me like it takes up an awful lot of room. And then you end up with all these blankets that you don't know what to do with them unless you have a lot of babies you can make them for. But making a bracelet or a necklace can occupy me for hours and takes up very little space. And to buy a spool of wire is pretty cheap, too. So it was kind of a fun thing to learn how to do. And you'll be continuing to do it. We'll see. We'll see. And if our listeners would like to see a sample, they can. <laughs> what? They can. Do, how can they see a sample? You would have to take a picture and, and of what, it and put it on the web. And what are your charges for making custom oh, I'm jewelry? Not at that point, yeah, I'm still learning. <laughs> Mrs. Amateur, if you'd like some stuff that's done by a twelfth grader, you're giving me a hard time. No, I'm not. I only made two things so far. And what did you make? A necklace and a bracelet. Uh huh. And we bought the wire and stuff, and it came from Amazon. No, that oh. that they gave me in the class. You here. can't buy it at Amazon. Not that I could see. Okay. So where do we head off next? We want to tell people that we are um, impressed, amazed, and delighted that so many of them are signing up for our Google Plus page. It's amazing. And people it have has, been sending in pictures of their rigs. It's very interesting to talk to people up, uh, this way. 
topics of conversation. It's been great fun. And I posted several times. And I want to thank, I forgot his name, the guy who started the page, because oh, we yeah. didn't quite get going with it. He did it right before we went to India, yeah. and we were not on the ball while we were um, overseas. But it's been a lot of fun since we've come back, and the group has been growing by leaps and bounds day after day. This is one of the, another one of those things, kind of like the a downloads social, of the social, podcast that, social network that has just uh, it's taken off and it's more than doubled. It was when we started uh, last month, it was like in the 30s, and now it's up to 65. And if you want to know more about what's the, the RV Navigator community, I guess, mm-hmm. it's not about us, but it's about you. And it's a nice place to share and people have been putting pictures of the rigs up and saying where they're going and and we've been putting up stuff. I'm impressed. I am impressed also. And we have virtually nothing to do with it. <laughs> Which is even more maybe impressive. That's, maybe that's why it's doing so well. So thank you listeners for uh, joining. And if you would like to know where to join it, I can't give you the URL right off the top of my head, but if you go Put to the our link on a, on Oh, it is. Yeah. You go to our website and click on the link and if you are a Google Plus member or a Google member then you can just uh, sign up and join it and i to me it sends me an email when somebody posts something mm-hmm. and i take a look at it and i'm sorry if i haven't gotten back to everybody but i've been busy playing pickleball <laughs> or something <laughs> and on there you'll see um we had a nice email from frederick who from new zealand who's actually driving a most impressive a motorhome that's the same size as ours through new zealand and i can't imagine that's how he does awesome, it yeah. but he has some cool pictures of his uh rocks cafe which is what he calls his rig and uh, take a look at it there and and uh, see what you think about uh, rving in new zealand which of course we've done and we had a good time but ours but was we were much, in a small rig that's right I and can't it was imagine, a good thing too i can't imagine driving around a huge giant thing like this through new zealand where will we be next month at this time we don't know Really? Well, we 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 enjoy this campground very much, but, but it is what I would call parking lot camping, where yeah. you're right parked right next to each other. And even though we're all geezers and we're pretty quiet and pretty and courteous, these are decent sized sites. Um, it's time for a little more elbow room. Um, I would like to be easing our way back toward Illinois, but every time we look at the weather, we quickly realize that we better not be making any big moves anytime soon. So I have a feeling we're going to kind of poke around in southern Arizona, maybe easing our way up to the Grand Canyon by the end of March. Although they did give us an offer today of $22 a night if we want to stay. Stay here, yeah. Mm. Uh, down from 45 so uh, I guess they must be expecting March to be light on traffic. Well, we've already seen it lighten up. Yeah, yeah, Even absolutely. At the end of no, no question about it. So we will be traveling, and as we always say, if you're in a campground near us, and if you're in southern Arizona someplace, well, we're actually going to the, I think next month at this time, we're going to be in the Grand Canyon. This month? March. Yes, at the end of March. Yeah. At the beginning of April, we're going to be the in the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. So we're going to kind of gradually head north through Phoenix, and we're going to a spring training game. Which is something we've never done before. Right. In the we're going to see league. our beloved Cubs, who, oh. we, who we never see at home. <laughs> well, we can't afford it. Even here, $24 is not cheap <laughs> to go to a... St- both of us. To go- but the real tickets, oh, I mean, that's yeah, to sit yeah. on the grass. The, no, the real no. tickets to sit in the stands, which you can't do in a, in a regular park, yeah. are 24 yeah, bucks each. Yeah, I mean, that, that was for right. a spring training game. You're right. But it's the doing. It's the doing. And it's okay. a new stadium. So we'll talk about that next month. On to the news. And we have had lots of emails, but I've answered most of them. Good. 
lots in, of in questions. In between pickleball? In between pickleball. And, you know, I'm kind of changing on a couple of things here. Like what? Well, you know, we looked at these used motorhomes, and we found that they all had residential fridges. And you have always been violently opposed to them. Well, I've been violently opposed. No, not to the fridge, but to the all-electric. Because you can't But these were not, interestingly enough, these coaches were not all-electric. They had propane. The two coaches that we were looking at seriously had propane, but they had residential fridges. The thing that I noticed, and I think the, the, the real determining factor on how a propane fridge works is whether or not it's on a slide. I think the, one of the best things that's happened to us in this coach is the fact that our refrigerator is not on a slide. And if you recall, listeners, that when we were having the Amish solution put onto our refrigerator... Propane. That the uh, installer told us that they have just tons and tons of problems with fridges on slides because they cannot be ventilated properly. But an electric fridge doesn't need to be ventilated properly? No, obviously not. It's uh-huh. using there's your no house. Flame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no flame and there's no heat. Just It's all fan blown. So uh, now that I think about that, and almost all the coaches have their fridges on a slide, I'm thinking probably a propane fridge on a slide is not such a good idea. Mm-hmm. Not only is it, could it be more dangerous, but also it'll just never work quite right. Mm-hmm. Won't get cold enough. And I think manufacturers have come to that realization. And I think fridges, from what I've been reading, fridges just plain don't use that much power. And that with batteries, you can keep them running pretty well. It's the cooking and the heating and things that would be a real problem with an all-electric. So that's why the ones you liked still had propane burners. And probably by the time I decide, I'll be getting all electric. Because <laughs> that's the way everybody's making. <laughs> that's why we keep going to the that's dealers, why we eating, but, uh, eating but free hot dogs you know, and it, looking it, around. It, the light bulb is beginning to turn on here. I'm kind of dim, but uh, I'm glad it has finally started to turn on. When we looked at the residential fridges, I mean... They're big and nice. Big and nice. Nice big freezer. And, and both of these coaches had an external freezer. Ka-ching, ka-ching. Ka-ching, ka-ching. And the other thing that has really bothered me lately about buying a new coach is the fact that 40-footers have to have a tag, and that's the second axle on the rear end. And that adds $15,000 to the cost of your vehicle just off the bat. Wow. You know, it used to be that anything above 40, 41 or 42 and above, had to have a tag axle because of the weight of the rear end. The, the U.S. Department of Transportation has limited the weight of a single axle to 20,000 pounds. Longer coaches were reaching that limit fairly quickly. With the new engine, with the DEF and all of the emission control stuff on it, now the 40-footers. So that makes 40-footers outrageously expensive. That's why they're just not making many 40-footers. They're longer. But one of the good things is is, is that Freightliner has recently applied for an exemption to that and had, has been approved. And so they now have a new rear axle that will well, hold... Well, tw- strong enough? That, No, it's not a matter of strong. It's a matter that meets the standards that are required by the DOT. For strength? No, for the roads. They have upped the limit to 24,000 pounds. 
So they per beat axle. up the pavement, you mean? Right. Oh, okay. So they have, and I'm not sure what the what all the specifications are, but the bottom line is is, is that 40 foot motorhomes now with this new Freightliner axle on the back and trans and stuff will be able to have a single axle in the back. Oh, good. Yeah, but I didn't want to have a tag either. Right. I think you're going to want longer because it's still the storage issue mm-hmm. with the older ones. So this is a, this to me is a really good... Uh, Solution. Well, a step forward, and it'll be a big help for those people who are looking at a larger vehicle, but not one. They don't want a 43 or 45 foot. And to buy all those tires? Well, plus the expense of it. This is going to bring them down. And one of the things they were saying is, is that a lot of the 40 footers can't have things that we have, like tile floors and large capacity tanks and some of the amenities which are so heavy because they couldn't they Mm -hmm. would be overweighting it Mm -hmm. like having the bathroom in the back and that sort of stuff so this will give a lot more flexibility for the 40 foot uh, versions of motorhomes well we have been to almost all 50 states right we've been to all 50 states have we really we've camped in 49 and And if you could just choose one thing to do in each state what would it be in illinois Go to Lake Michigan. Well. Ride my bike along. Go to the Sears Tower. Yeah, that's what we're famous for. And if you had one thing to do in Indiana, what would it be? (laughs) Go look at the bridges in Brown County. Oh, really? And the one thing in uh, Ohio, Cedar Point. Mommy State Park. And if the one thing... Or the Rock and Roll Museum. Oh, the rock, oh yeah, that, that was, was cool. Cleveland, too. yeah, okay. So, uh, what is the one thing you must do in each state? Well, we have an article here, which we will provide the link for in the webpage for this uh, episode. You'll be able to catch, capture each state's huge array of awesomeness in a single listing. And they have pictures for each one. It's from the Huffington Post, believe it or not. But they have uh, mm-hmm. made a nice choice, and I actually agree with many of them. They, mm-hmm. they didn't go to the Sears Tower. Oops. Yes, they did. No, they went to the... uh, It's the Willis Tower now. That's right. How to tell whether your new battery is already dead. Well, no, AA batteries and AA's. If you have alcohol... This is... I can't believe... I don't know if this this link is actually true. Yeah, we we haven't tried it ourselves. Well, I don't know. They say (laughs) that the way a battery bounces tells whether it's dead or alive. So you need to watch the video. We'll give you the link from YouTube where they test batteries by just tossing them on a countertop. (laughs) And you can see very dramatically that some of them fall right over and some of them stand up. And you can tell which ones are fresh. Is this tr- is this legit? I don't know. I don't know either. It's hard to say, but that's the bounce test for batteries. You can you can judge for yourself and let us know if you think it's true. If it's RVers abandon printed directories. Ooh, has the navigator? No. The co-pilot abandoned. No. As a matter of fact, we talked last month about just getting the brand new one. Yeah. I very much like to get information online and on the internet, but sometimes it's not available or you can't get connected, and I like to have a piece of paper backing me up. Just like I love to have a paper map on my lap, yeah. even though we're using Hard the electronic GPS. Hard to believe. They're just machines. They're just tools. The day when every RVer carried along a printed campground or RV park directory on a trip is going the way of the dinosaur. At least that's what appears, according to a survey earlier this month, 
at rvtravel.com. Only about 40% of the more than 1,160 RVers who responded to the survey use a printed campground book or directory the same or more than five years ago. Less than 4% use one more than they did before. Meanwhile, about 62% use such a publication less, and including 36% who use a, such a directory far less or never. I certainly use it less than I did because there's more alternatives now. But never? Not never. Yeah. I look at it. We look at it. It's in the mix. Now, you got to go to the website to look at this because I've, I've talked several times about the Chinese and their efforts to get into the RV game. And uh, some uh, entrepreneurs in China, well, not, not exactly entrepreneurs, I think some RV enthusiasts have built a an RV which out of is a truck. out of a truck, which is quite unbelievable. And and I really enjoyed looking at the pictures because when you're people like us who have seen a lot of RVs, it kind of channels your imagination <laughs> into different. the tried and true. But when you have no idea what the inside of an RV should look like or how it should be configured, you kind of make it up as you go along. And they they were very creative, I thought. And this one with a developed area of 24 square meters. It unfolds to 24 square meters, which is huge. huge. The RV 12, can right? accommodate 12 people. People can play mahjong and sing karaoke inside. It's also equipped with a kitchen and a shower room. Which is more like a conventional house. That's so obviously what shaped their thinking. It, well, it, for 12 people, yeah. I think it's more like a motel. <laughs> Jeez, well, you're not all going to shower. Anyway, you're going to want to look at the pictures, yeah, the pictures of this because cool. the pictures are quite something. Oh, there was another interesting article yes. in the New York Times in the Sunday section um, where a photojournalist visited a bunch of Walmarts and took pictures of people who were staying overnight. And some of them were very unconventional as opposed to people like us who might um, spend an evening there. And he wrote a rather nice article about Walmart and how it supports traveling people and the etiquette of not putting out your grill and <laughs> not opening your rig but up. But every picture has kind of a story to go with it. Yeah, because these are wandering souls that are wandering for many different reasons. And wandering into Walmart parking lots to camp. Yeah. And what? some of them have RVs and some of them... One guy slept on the ground. ground, the ground. <laughs> I've never... <laughs> can't quite fathom this, but... It's kind of a cool article. But it's uh, the New York Times take on Walmart, on camping. Walmart camping. So I guess that's even come to the New York Times, they're aware of what Walmart offers us RVers. Uh, well, web pages should be want to look at. I found this one because I was reading somebody's blog, and they were very much uh, into camping, boondocking, uh, boondocking and, and yeah. doing things on the cheap. Exactly, and she said that they had a very hard time in the beginning finding campgrounds regularly that they could camp in, and she had to do a lot of research. And when she found this website called U.S. Campgrounds that solved all of her problems because they have 12,000 public campgrounds, most of them free or very inexpensive, that you can use. That cover our entire country and into Canada as well. And that's at uscampgrounds.info. This is one of the new, new. 
top-level domains. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Dot .info. So not .com, but uscampgrounds.info. They only have a website, and they don't have an, an app. app yet. As far as I know. And we should mention that uh, we have been using the GPS, uh, the Ram McNally GPS, on our iPad, which has a lot of advantages. Um, we've been testing it. Uh, we did test it for quite a while for GP, for RAND, and it's really just like the actual physical GPS, but it's on your iPad. For $99, you get the app and it res- as opposed to spending $350 plus you get a nice big screen and it actually works better on as an app and they have just recently updated it again and of course you can get that at the app store uh, for your iPad. We like it. We uh-huh. have used it and having the nice big screen. It really gives you a lot of information. Including all the campgrounds and this is a way to help you get rid of that paper book. Are you pressuring me? Oh, why would I pressure you? You're the navigator, so <laughs> I could never pressure you. But uh, they have uh, you know turn-by-turn directions, and it's specially built for RVers, which is a big plus because uh, it it has. I think they said that you can program in 16 different vehicle combinations. It gives you a route that's appropriate for your vehicle. Right. And it also includes another nice handy feature, which I just used today, and that's uh, maps of all the states, you know, just like the printed maps. Mm-hmm. You can also buy an app that just has the maps. Mm-hmm. So an get, app for the maps. So I can get rid of my Rand. paper maps? Yeah, and put them on your iPad now that you have a nice iPad Air. We'll see. <laughs> She's being not very noncommittal. This is technology. Uh, new technology shows off how much propane you have left. This how- has been a perplexing problem. You never know how much propane is left in the tank. And we do. We had a refi- we, t- we, we had a refill today, and Ken was quite worried that we wouldn't need enough propane. We got it filled up here because it's convenient, and we're about to leave. And he was afraid that the propane guy was going to yell at him because he made him stop here, and we weren't buying enough. We were going to only put in two or three gallons, but, but in fact, we put in ten. <laughs> I was stunned. So this is a neat gizmo that. that yeah, but this doesn't work know. on that. Oh. This is only for portable tanks. Oh. Which are even worse because you don't really have any idea how much no. is in there because there's no we gauges. We can't use this. We have a gauge. Well, then why were you worried? Why did you think you needed two gallons when you needed ten? <sighs> do, I, do I need to go into this? <laughs> The gauge doesn't work. No, the gauge works fine. The problem, unlike a gauge, oh boy, here I go. <laughs> you ask a technical question, you're going to get a technical answer. Right. Propane tanks can only be filled to 80% of capacity. Uh-huh. So when it's half full, it really isn't half full, it's more than half full. Uh-huh. Okay. Is that enough? <laughs> so why can't I use this gizmo? Well... We've got a gauge. The well, gauge why is very accurate. Worried? You haven't answered the question. Because I don't know how much eighty percent is. Well, then it doesn't. It do never any... reads. It never reads full. Full. Then it doesn't. Because do it's any never. Good to have a gauge. It's never full. It's only eighty percent. It's the, even at full. It's only eighty percent. Eighty percent is available to you. Yes, for us to use because uh-huh. the rest has to be dead space. Uh-huh. So. It never, ever says full. Well, full. they should make a gauge that, that tells you what you need to know. <laughs> okay. Do I, do I need to fill? Get your phone and call the manufacturer. What do well, you want me to do? I thought this gizmo <laughs> was a great idea. Okay. This is for portable tanks. That's too bad. Well, it's good for you if you have a portable tank. Does okay. it look like a very good way to do it? Okay. So, how do you know how much propane is left in your in your cylinder? Pick it up. 
give it a shake. Guess a bit. Maybe you have one of these interesting tapes that falls off about the time you're ready to pour hot water on it. Or are you one of the scientific sort who disconnect the cylinder, weigh it, subtract the weight of the cylinder, and calculate it? Oh, God. No, I'm not one of those people. Anyway, you can buy this new gizmo, which will tell you the exact level of your tank, minus the 20%. Great idea. High-tech taillight options for your tow car. For your toad. Well, this is this perplexed me because you can put taillights on your toad that um, signal when you're going to turn while you're towing it, and they're wireless. Yeah, that's cool. But why do we have wires? Well, because we use it on a more or less full-time basis, plus the fact that they were able to install the lights. extra lights in, in our, our fixtures fixture. so that it doesn't look... Doesn't so if look you had this gizmo, you well, could move it from car to car. Too. Car to car, mm-hmm. or if you had uh, just a temporary use. So this is nice. Mm-hmm. It hooks it's up to your braking idea. system and, and turns on the lights, and you don't have to have a bunch of wires, because I assume that they're battery-operated. Because when you tow, your lights have to signal. Motorhome test drive fails. Oh, you have to look at the picture of this. <laughs> Not only was this bad for the motorhome, it was bad for the home that it crashed into. Oh, dear. Got an RV for sale? Do you plan on riding with a prospective driver for the road test? Might be a good idea. On the other hand, maybe not. In Seattle, Washington area, a test drive gets a fail mark when a 34-year-old would-be purchaser says there was some kind of mechanical failure and the Class A he was driving took a bit of a detour right into the side of a house. Oh. Ooh. It's right on the water. He could have driven into the oh, water, too. Oh, boy. The picture is really bad news. Dramatic. Dramatic. So... I don't know. How, uh, we went for a test drive at ours. But the guy who owned it came with us. Well, I think the, that's what he said. There. I think uh-huh. the, the driver was there. you got to give somebody a chance to test drive well, sure. it. sure. Sure. But they should be qualified to drive it, well, I guess. You know, how do you know that? <laughs> I don't know. And last but not least... This is a person who is suggesting better storage containers for the refrigerator. When you are traveling down the road, things rattle around in your fridge, and these containers have screw tops. They're plastic, but they screw top so that they are sealable, and things like soups and stews will stay inside. They've obviously been testing a lot of different kinds, and they really like these, but I have questions about this. You do? Yes. A big problem with plastic containers is if you use them to heat, reheat like at lunchtime with the microwave Uh is whether they give off PCBs. Um, They don't talk about that. This is made by Rubbermaid. Yeah. And the other issue that I confront in my little fridge is that I like square containers much better because they fill... But you can't get a screw-on cap on a... Fit in the corners better. No, you cannot get a a screw-on cap. And plastic containers are hard to keep clean in that if you put something like chili in one even when you wash it it still has that chili taste still in the plastic and so i really like the new ziploc kind of storage containers that are meant to be short use and then you just dispose them and buy new fresh ones so you don't like this it hasn't been a problem to me well, this person is very happy because Rubbermaid just came out with new sizes. Yeah. Because she was unhappy with the small yeah. size and the large size, and they now have new sizes, which she feels... I would say I had more problems with spilling my soup when I took my lunch to work. <laughs> not which we're not going to get into here at all. not in the RV. <laughs> okay. Well, that, I thought that was kind of like a nice idea, but uh, the co-pilot has 
nix this other one. ideas. It has other ideas. Well, to each their own, but yeah. we'll put the link up on the website. And if you are interested in seeing it, feel free to visit and to send us a comment about your best Favorite storage, storage con- containers. containers. It's good to have choices. Yes, absolutely. So that kind of ends up the RV Navigator for this month. And we will hopefully see you next month. Uh, and we will be on the road with many more fascinating stories. <laughs> and we just might be in a campground near you. You never know. You never know. So send us an email. Visit the website. Go on the Google Plus page. Go on the, oh, yes. Go on the Google Plus page. And we will try to keep up with everything that's going on there as long as the satellite internet works. Because we will be boondocking this month Uh-oh. on several occasions. So we will be putting our new batteries to good use. Keeping the satellite dish running and the internet strong in the old RV. So until April, we will see you in a campground near us as we travel down the road. Bon voyage.